Hello, and welcome to the Cultivating Confidence podcast. I am your host, Dr. Nicole Grams. I am a life coach who specializes in anxiety, health, and human design. And I also happen to be a functional medicine pharmacist. This podcast is a compilation of conversations that I've had with clients and colleagues. So listen in as we explore the mind, body, and soul's confidence in its many forms. All right. So today's unscripted episode, I have with me again, uh, Dr. Sarah Jastrom from Minnesota. Um, we, I think we're going to have a completely different conversation than we had last time. Um, today's topic, um, we kind of have before we started recording, which is refreshing kind of in a, in a way. <laughs> anyway, um, we were just in a conversation previous to this and we happened to come across the topic of trauma in like medical context, not medical trauma, but like the emotional trauma that people can have when they are going to the doctors or as healthcare professionals, the trauma that we have in trying to make a difference in what's going on. So, um, yeah. Where do you want to start? Well, I want to start with where we also have that trauma. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have that, like, it started with my, we, we were in a coaching session, we were chatting and I brought up the fact that I had heard somebody speaking about trauma and they were defining trauma as too much, too soon, too fast. I think there was another two in there and I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, and I was like, my, my initial response was, well, that hasn't happened to me. Mm. And then the more she explained trauma and the more she explained the um, kind of the different insidious facets that it takes and it presents itself, I realized that one of the things that I struggle with as a pharmacist is something that I would identify as trauma in my pharmacy education. Mm. Um, and, and that was really surprising to me because it then was like, oh, this is part of the reason why um, as much as I am excited and proud and happy that I am a pharmacist, mm-hmm. it is a love-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with a lot of pharmacists that I might encounter in my state um, or kind of in like beyond the functional medicine world, right? I'm going to kind of say like my more traditional pharmacy colleagues, I approach with a certain level of hesitancy. And I realized it was because of these experiences in pharmacy school, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like who thinks that they're going to experienced trauma in pharmacy school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have my fair share of it, but (laughs) different, different sort of, yeah. But you don't expect it. It's not like you went to pharmacy school and you're like, you know what I'm going to get trauma. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, I think that there's probably nurses and physicians and dentists and, And you know, I think all of the healthcare professions, like not only like there's the potential that they experience it within the educational setting. Mm-hmm. And then you have another layer of it when you get out into the workplace. Yeah. 
So I guess, um, we forgot to disclaimer, we are not trauma experts or have extensive training in trauma, all this stuff. We just wanted to bring this to the forefront of a conversation because we think it's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, and it's not talked about a lot. Um, and it can leave people feeling isolated and alone. And the intention here is just to bring light on it. So we can all do our own research, but this is what we're going to say here today is our own opinions and our own experiences and, um, take that for what it is, or reach out to us if there are any questions at all. So, yeah, I yeah. think, I think to add to that is that part of, I mean, I would just say like part of one of the things is as a practitioner working in healthcare mm -hmm. with patients and understanding that it is very, very likely that my patients have experienced trauma mm -hmm. and like, yeah, I'm not an expert by any means, but I think like making space to have the conversations and then recognizing that it's there and it's not just veterans who mm -hmm. have PTSD or, right. you know, that it's, it's a lot more prevalent than maybe I mean, I can't even say then we're taught because we're not taught. Right. It, it's, it's a thing that happens and we respond in the way that we've been conditioned to respond. And the same situations for some can be traumatic for others. Like it it's, there's no, the only thing that de really defines trauma is how you respond to it. And some of us are not given a full deck of cards to play with from that perspective of emotional maturity and all this stuff, like having a safe space to work through any of it, you know, it there, I mean, there's so many different levels of, <laughs> of what we're talking about here. So, yeah. Yeah. So what, what um, you had kind of said that kind of raised the T tell me again, like briefly what you kind of said that raised this whole topic in our session. Oh, um, so, so I had, I had a certain level of, like, I recognized that something that I experienced in school, I identified it now in this, in this context. So I was like, oh, I think that was actually kind of traumatic where I had gone to pharmacy school to get how, learn how to get people off drugs. Like that was, that was the basis for my, um, entrance interview. And by, by drugs, we're, we're talking about medications. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, medication <laughs> In this context. I mean, like anyway. if I want to, if I want to help you get off your illicit street drugs, I mean, I'm not necessarily the right. That's not excluded, to, but like, but what we're talking about is, is prescribed medications, reducing yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Reducing med um, prescribed medication usage. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so inevitably I'm in a class and at the top, you know, they put up a picture the slide with the guidelines and at the top of the guidelines, it says diet and lifestyle for three to six months. And if that doesn't work, go to the next step where you start addressing, assessing risk and mm -hmm. adding in pharmaceuticals. And mm -hmm. I raised my hand and said, what, like, what is this top part? Because our professor had just jumped into the pharmaceuticals aspect. And I was told point blank in front of all of my classmates that nobody can um, achieve the changes through diet and lifestyle. They can't do it. So we're not going to talk about it in class. 
And that particular moment has like really, really stuck with me because I was, I mean, I don't want to say I was young and vulnerable because I mm-hmm. certainly wasn't young or very vulnerable, but at the same time, I was very- In ways you were. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it was like my second year of pharmacy school. So mm-hmm. I was still like figuring out this whole pharmacy thing. And I learned very quickly to not, not bring up ideas about diet and lifestyle or acupuncture or massage therapy mm-hmm. or hypnosis or craniosacral therapy, or like mm-hmm. all of these other things that I was doing on my own to manage the stress of being a parent and in pharmacy school and working my internship and all of that stuff. Um, and so then we're, this is at a, this is at this meeting. So I'm seeing her connecting these things. And then I'm in this conversation about resilience and burnout in the pharmacy setting. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, we'll send out emails about like how you can go to um, you know, how you can make sure to take a five minute walk on your break or how you can meditate or how you can, all these things that are like self-care, you know, an email that lists all the mm-hmm. different self-care things you can do through the day. And I was yeah. like, I was like, lady, <laughs> that is not going to help somebody with self-care. They're going no. to look at that and be like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I have like 27 physician orders I need to deal with. And like people who are dying on my floor from illnesses that I don't have the capability, the means to treat them. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that going on a five minute walk around your like stinky basement hospital building (laughs) is going to help. Like, no. (laughs) And, and it just struck me that there's this perception that we can like email our way out of a pro- mm-hmm. out of this problem or we yeah. can um we can have conversations on resiliency here we are yeah. having a conversation on trauma but right. um it like it it made me so angry because i'm sitting here going i'm 5 years into my pharmacy career Mm-hmm. I spent four years in school mm-hmm. and in my second year, I was saying, why aren't we learning about how to eat healthy and take yeah. time for self-care and being completely shut down and being shut down. And here you are saying we should send an email about eating healthy and doing self-care. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe you should teach your students that every 20 minutes they need to get up and walk around for five for a minute and then sit yeah. back down so they can concentrate on what you're learning. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I think. Yeah. I just wanted to join in with, I, I don't have any specific examples of, um, my own trauma in this context in pharmacy school. Um, but I definitely looking back can see that there I'm, I was always open to alternative things. And like the, like you said, the acupuncture, chiropractic, all this stuff. Um, but I was very young when I started pharmacy school, like I was 20 when I got in. So I had not lived any of my life. I had gone straight through school, like fast tracked my way in. I don't have any life experience, but I didn't necessarily go in with the intention of, you know, helping people get off of medications, but I went in with the idea of helping people be healthier, right. And now that means something very different than what it did at the time. But there was also a level of like, 
oh, well, you know, this class on herbals, yeah, well, it, it's there if you want to take it, but like, it's, it's just going to create supplements just mean expensive pee. Right. So like, literally that's what professors said to us. Yes. <laughs> like now yes. with the hindsight of like actually learning about how food interacts with your body, it makes like, cause clearly food is the issue that causes the disease, but it's not the answer. Like, wait, what? We could just switch right. things around, but anyway, but yeah, there's, there's a certain level of trauma around like not being able or feeling like it's a safe space to speak up. And I want to take that to patients as well, because I think that happens a lot, especially for patients who want to do diet, lifestyle, exercise, you know, mental health care. And their physicians are just kind of shutting them down or they don't really know much about it. And I, I will be the first to admit, I kind of was one of those providers at the pharmacy of the, like, I, I told people that supplements just make expensive pee for a long time, for several years, right? Like it, in hindsight, that's horrifying to me. It's really more about the level, the quality of supplements and why you're taking them and which ones you actually need. And there's a lot more to it than that. But anyway, Holding space for yourself to be able to speak up in the medical context can be very traumatizing. And I have run into so many patients who have this issue and they just feel like they've never been heard. Yeah, that's, I think that's a huge part. And I think it's something that like, you know, we as clinicians need Mm -hmm. to learn how to listen better. Yeah. And by better, I mean, almost like at all. (laughs) yeah like we need to learn how to listen yeah um and I think I don't I go back to this is funny because I've been talking to a number of different people I keep going back to my marriage counseling Mm -hmm. but that was where I learned active listening yeah and then in pharmacy school they were like okay we're gonna practice this listening technique called active listening (laughs) yeah and I, I think it's a shame that we, and I don't know if it's just like the age or what, like, I don't know what, like how, if it was how it was presented or what was the situation, but um, it was, it was one of those activities in pharmacy school. Everybody was like, oh, we have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, you know, and then somebody's like, okay, I'll be the patient. Yeah. I you know, I'm looking and then, at the yeah, supplement to... and I hear you say you're looking at this supplement. And then right. it, like, I don't know if there's a way that it could be um, taught better or with a better emphasis or with a more, um, a better understanding of like, no, this, this is the heart of what you are going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because not only, not only is it how you listen to your patients, it's how you listen to your colleagues as well. Right. Like the last thing I want to do is walk into a pharmacy as the pharmacist and have a technician tell me that you can't, I can't talk to the patients about their supplements, or I can't go out into the aisle and talk to Mm -hmm. people about their supplements because I have too much stuff on the bench, which I have been told (laughs) multiple times, probably multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so this might be like an eye opener for some people about what pharmacy profession is like, right? you know, but I mean, and it's not limited to just pharmacy. Let's say that because it's absolutely not, but yeah, go on. 
but but to say no we have to listen to each other and Mm -hmm. the person who's saying like i can't have you go out as the only pharmacist i can't have you go out into the aisle what really they need to be saying is i really need your help because it's really busy and i don't feel like i can do this work by myself Mm -hmm. and i feel like i'm doing it by myself when you leave because then i can say i hear that Mm -hmm. i'll come back you know, I am, I understand how much work it's, is going on and let's have a dialogue about how we manage things. And now all of a sudden we're doing I statements and listening as opposed to shutting people down and breaking walls. Right. Well, and learning how to actively listen helps you get introspective about yourself and why you're doing things, what, what your motivations are behind some of the things that you're saying, like, am I just projecting because I'm stressed about something else? Like, hi, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that, I mean, the, there's, there's so many different rabbit holes that we could dive down today. The, yeah, yeah, but we could carry this conversation for hours and hours and hours and not be done. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think like, I was going to say this, I'm just thinking about like one of my patients and, you know, like how, how could things be different Mm -hmm. and how can healthcare be different and how can we better, like, how can we be better informed, but, and how can we be better, um, available for our patients? And I was just thinking like, wouldn't it be so great if you could like interview your doctor yeah. Like go in for 15 minutes right. and or have a 15 minute Zoom call and be like, are you really going to listen to me? Yeah. And who are you and what sorts of things are you passionate about and interested in helping yeah. so that it's much more personable experience? Yeah. I feel like you're just leading this into come see us at farm to table, <laughs> which that was not, not intentional, No, but it totally, I mean, we have 15 minute free 15 minute calls with our providers. So you can do that thing and that exact thing. And, you know, interview us as we interview you to see, like, are you willing to make changes in your life? Because we want to be here to help you do yeah. that. Yeah. And I think more providers are becoming open to those sorts of things. I mm-hmm. don't know that they necessarily advertise that you can do it, but I feel right. like, I feel like I was talking to somebody and I was like, yeah, it'd be really great if I could just interview. And they were like, oh, we had, we have 15 minute like phone conversations. You just yeah. have to ask. And I they're was cer- like, yeah, they're certainly hmm. not advertised because with the medical system set up the way it is for billing and reimbursement and getting paid. Yeah. Like you're not going to just volunteer 15 minutes of your time when you could be billing for an appointment. And yeah, yeah, I had never considered doing a 15 minute interview of anybody outside of like looking on the internet to see what their bio was like, right? Like any medical professional I've ever had, the most I did was ask my cousin, who's a nurse, if this person was (laughs) legit or not, right? Like there's no introduction. You're just there in the office getting an appointment. Right. But, but yeah. Okay. so can we, can we go into that a little bit about like the potential for trauma in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Like let's hearken back to our first OB visits when <laughs> we were 16 or 17 or 14 or I don't know no, about you. Like, Mine was know. very enjoyable and not traumatic at all. What are you talking? No. <laughs> or but the yeah, first like going- you have to go by yourself. Right. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways that medical trauma can have medical, emotional trauma can happen. And I mean, I think what it all comes down to is patients not feeling heard. I know mm-hmm. that I have gone in, like, there's a doctor that I, I could go on a half an hour rant about with my care at one point in my life. Um, did not listen to me, had no interest in what I was saying and my background and the, what I was bringing to the table and just told me point blank, you shouldn't be doing this. This is stupid to do this. And I was like, you are the on-call doctor right now. And I mm. (laughs) like, if I didn't have my own, if, if I didn't bring myself to the table in that space, like, I, I mean, I, I completely crumbled once he left, like I was a mess. Um, but I had my own back in that, uh, in knowing who I was, what I wanted, what I was going to do. And most people don't have that luxury of knowing themselves well enough to be able to stand their ground and say, no, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I want. And I'm going to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, there isn't somebody next to you in the office most of the time when that's happening. And that is deeply concerning for a lot of scenarios that, I mean, I have been told and experienced myself. Yeah. I guess my, my thought then is, is like, what, what tools do we use either as patients or providers? Like, like if we're, if you were in that situation again, Mm -hmm. you know, give it like, and part of it, you're right. Is like, knowing yourself and having that confidence in yourself, confidence mm-hmm. in yourself. Or like, if I was in that classroom, if I could like go back to mm-hmm. the pensive and like <laughs> sit next to myself <laughs> yes, and, and have the courage to push back and say, no, this is important. What does this entail? What does it look like? And if mm-hmm. you can't tell me because you don't know, then tell me who does. Yeah you know, like, I'm just curious, like what, where do you find that strength and where do you find that? Yeah. That, um, like wherewithal for me, it has come through literal years of therapy and coaching. Honestly, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the confidence that I had without extra support from people. And the fact that mental health care is still such a taboo subject sometimes, like just floors me because it's the best thing that ever happened to me, whether I'm in the throes of, you know, my own head drama or whether I'm just, you know, trying to learn more about myself. So I can have an awareness that I didn't have before, but like, yeah, support from other people is my, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And and if, if something just doesn't feel right, that's where, you know, social media can be great to find people. Like I've had people put into words, what I would never have been able to put into words that Mm. like how to reach out. Like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, (laughs) but I think you may, you have a good point about like finding your people and finding, you know, your, my thought was like, oh, it takes a village, right? Like we say it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village to keep the like to raise everybody in the village Mm -hmm. and take care of all of the people yeah um yeah and like I 
I would not be able to stand up to that particular professor if I did not have, if I had never found like a group of like-minded pharmacists Mm -hmm. and a group of like-minded medical professionals, and then also have validation from providers of people who are like, like going back to the therapist. Yeah. And my therapist is like, no, you're not, this is not okay. <laughs> like, this is not okay. And you are not crazy. Mm-hmm. Your experiences are true and valid and your path is your path. And it's a perfectly fine path to be following. Yeah. And, you know, don't worry about this rest of these other paths that you're mm-hmm. not on because you're not there. <laughs> yeah. And you're not going to like, you can't jump over there and right. it's probably not going to be any better. Yeah, it's just going to make you mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess as we wrap up here, it's if you, most of us have probably experienced medical emotional trauma at some point in our lives, even if it's just not feeling like you're being heard by your providers, like I, I do hope that everybody's in a situation where they can find a new one. But other than that, I mean, reach out to one of us on the team or, you know, one of us directly and we can help with something at least, or, you know, find, talk to your friends, talk to your family members, people you trust that can help lead you at least one step forward from where you are. Cause we don't want you to be sitting there feeling hurt and unheard and not feeling or not getting better, not healing yourself, not making changes that you want to make in your life. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to second the finding somebody to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somewhere that you can feel safe and that, that is an invaluable place to be. Whether that's again, whether that's with friends or professional help, it's okay to hire somebody to hold that space for you that has been trained. And in a lot of cases it can be better because then there's not fear of judgment. There's not fear of repercussions. There's, you know, yep. yeah. So, yeah. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for chatting today. Um, I thought this was a super important topic, so I'm glad that we had a chance to make this happen. Gladly. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Take care. You too. Thank you for taking the time to listen in today. Many of you will be able to take the ideas that you've heard and apply them in your daily life. And that's really all you need. That's amazing. But for those of you who could use a little one-on-one help with how to make these things actually work for you in your real life, please reach out. The link to schedule a consult with me is in the show notes. You don't have to do this alone. See you soon.